Good morning, folks. A couple of days ago, a friend of mine asked me to help them with a problem they were having. And it's a very common problem, and it's essentially one of the two big questions that people consistently ask me, which is why I'm always working on a lot of content to address those two issues. The two issues overall are, how do I get really good at this really fast and feel confident enough in myself that I can do this consistently to a high degree of skill. And the second thing is, how do I find people that both want to do this with me and that I can have meaningful and fulfilling interactions and connections with, ideally long-term and ideally building towards some mutually satisfying goal or accomplishment or connection. People don't often ask me those questions in that same way. They might say, how do I get good at this? Or, uh, you know, how do I find people that want to do this with me? But that's kind of the longer version that I've come up with. So her question was, she's a subject and she wants to find a really good hypnotist. And I had this other question from someone else a little while ago who's a hypnotist who wants to find good subjects. Now, I'm going to do this from the hypnotist's perspective first because that's the perspective that I have the most experience with. Uh, I, I asked her to send me some screenshots of how people are doing this now. And I analyzed those, looked for commonalities, and it took me literally 10 minutes to come up with a series of major structural improvements. So, as always, value up front. <coughs> Check the show notes for the exact description of this, but your profile on a hookup thread on a Discord server should look like this. The location um, by nearest major city. So don't necessarily tell people exactly where you live, but tell them where your nearest major city is. Now this will probably tell them the time zone that you're in, which is a much easier way of saying, you know, GMT plus 10 or something. Tell them the time zone of the nearest major city. Right. Then in there, you also want to put a link to where they can simply click on that and see what time it is relative to where you are. Now, this won't be as important that the second part won't be as important for Americans or Europeans because they kind of tend to operate within plus or minus a couple of time zones of each other of their own time zone normally. So if you're in Europe, you tend to hypnotize a lot of people in Europe because they tend to be awake and available at roughly the same times as you are. But if you're in Australia or somewhere else, <coughs> not in the continental United States group of time zones or in the European group of time zones, then uh, having the nearest major city is very useful. It's also very useful for being able to actually meet up in person. Uh, then what you want to do is rather than go, you know, M4A, uh, you want to actually type out the words male seeking dot dot dot. Add a little twist at the end, so something like male seeking female, comma, nerdy girls with big glasses preferred, you know, or something like that that doesn't push people away but kind of adds a little bit to it. Expand that out from the M4A because when people read that, they have to translate it into a different symbol in their head and it takes a bit more mental energy. They tend to lock onto the full complete words because it's, there's less friction involved. So, location, nearest major city. And again, look in the show notes for examples of all of this. Who you are, what you're seeking, 
Um, then what you want to do is put a link to your soundgasm where you talk about, well, where you have several non-sexual and sexual audio files of your voice. I'll talk about that in more detail in a minute. Then you want to link them to photographs of you with no face. So body shots. Now this is particularly important for subjects, but also for hypnotists as well. People often forget the physical aspect, um, but if you are a subject and you have a choice between a hypnotist who may be a physically attractive person or who may not be, versus someone who you know is in good shape, respects themselves, takes good care of themselves, and values their appearance as well as themselves, you're gonna pick the second one every single time, right? Then you're gonna write your biography with a completely different twist on it. Basically, most people write what they're looking for. That doesn't work. Write what you have to offer. And I'll put some examples in, uh, in the show notes, but you want to state things directly, but also imply them indirectly. So don't say things like, consent is super important to me, because that's a little bit like someone walking up to you and saying, hi, my name is Daniel, and we're both breathing oxygen right now. It's like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Consent's really important. You know, you don't have to say that stuff. Saying the the intangibles out loud is kind of kind of pointless and jarring. So you want to communicate certain things in a certain way. And then underneath that, you're going to put a booking link to where they can book in a time to be hypnotized by you, be asked a series of questions to clarify the intent of the session, and then what you'll end up with is your calendar filling up with people who have understood what you've got, looked at what you have and liked it, and who are committed to a session as well as you having all the information that you need to then run a really good session, uh, guys gathered by those questions. Now, all of this is totally free. You're gonna, we're going to utilize the free sections of different services in a way that's very cost efficient, but basically it's free. <clears throat> so here's how you go about setting all of this up. The first thing that you're going to do is go to the erotic hypnosis resources list in the resources folder in the PDFs subfolder and join a number of those discord servers, right? Then you're going to have to verify for the good ones. So you'll have to have your driver's license and you'll have to take a bunch of photographs with different hand signs or holding up a post-it note or something like that. Mm. Oh, that's such a good chai. <clears throat> then you get access to those things. Now, I think from memory, I've ranked the list in terms of most active to least active, as in something like uh, Secrets Server or the Secret Subjects Server. It's very active. It's a really good place for people to hang out, apparently. Um, so that's kind of near the top of the list. The Hypno Hookup one is also at the top of the top of the list because that's basically the server that seems to be, from my understanding, kind of dedicated to that. A lot of people say, well, how do I find partners? And, uh, okay, some backstory. <coughs> so from what I've seen years ago, and I don't think from the screenshots that I've been sent that much has changed, Someone will ask, I'm new to this, how do I get good at it? And they'll say, read mind play, and that's it. And then just kind of fumble around in the dark and feel terrible about getting it wrong all the time and no one will help you, the end. 
that's basically how that first question goes. You know, how do I get good at this? That's the process. That's not how you actually get good at it, by the way. That's just how everyone seems to think is an acceptable way of both treating new people and instructing and educating them. It's, it's fucking horrible, right? I'm working on a lot of content to solve that problem. That's not the topic of today's podcast. The topic of today's podcast is the second part, the second question. How do I find people to do this with? Well, most servers will have a hookup thread. Some servers explicitly don't but most servers do. So what you want to do is join a bunch of Discord servers from the list. This will involve you having to create an account on Discord, uh, which you should use your secure ProtonMail free account, as outlined in the podcast episode on establishing a security stack. Uh, set all of that up in advance so that you can do that. Now, when it comes to voice communications, you can use Threema if you want to. Um, Discord has a pretty capable voice backend, but just be aware that Discord has been known internationally and domestically for its, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Enthusiastic compliance with law enforcement agencies. So if you like your privacy, uh, don't have controversial conversations on Discord switch people to something like Threema or perhaps Signal if you feel comfortable enough exchanging phone numbers. Personally, I think, to be honest with you, Discord is gonna do fine for 99% of people and encouraging people to switch to a different messaging service introduces a lot of friction to the process. Probably not necessary for you. I take my privacy very seriously. I take the privacy of the people that I play with very seriously, uh, but that's more of a concern for me personally that it may be for you. So Discord is probably going to do fine <coughs> for you with your with regards to your voice chats. So most people will say, oh, you know, hang around, chat on the server. People will get to know you and then you'll do some stuff. And it's just kind of haphazard and really awkward and incredibly ineffective and inefficient and time consuming. And then you spend weeks chatting to someone over text only to find out that they're actually not who they say they are, um, or you know that you're looking for an in-person connection, which is perfectly reasonable and should be honestly applauded. Um, and they're like, no, 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 no. I'm just like, uh, I'm on the other side of the world. You know, we're never going to meet up. Whatever. If that's important to you, it is important to you. Don't lie about it being important to you or not. Be honest with yourself, right? It's okay to have a series of long-term online-only relationships, but you are gonna get a lot more happiness out of being able to be there in person and watch them drop, stroke the hair back from their face and watch their eyes roll back in their head. Do all of the fun stuff together in person. You deserve that, like, come on. It's great hypnotizing people through a screen, but it's the difference between watching a film and being an actor in the movie. There's no comparison. In person, always better. In my opinion, blah, blah, blah. You know, do whatever you want. But this is how I would do it. This is how I would solve this problem. So then they go on the hookup thread, they post a badly written bio, some curious acronyms, a big list of the stuff that they're into, which may or may not be completely off-putting to people. 
Um, and they just kind of cross their fingers and pray. And then you have to sort through if you're a submissive, uh, straight or bisexual female, then you'll have a lot of interest as per normal. You have that massive natural advantage, which you should always use to your advantage. Uh, if you're a gay male dominant, you also seem to get a lot of attention from submissive men. Uh, can't say that I have much experience with that, but that also seems to be something that I have noticed. And uh, then you just kind of have some sessions and you know, figure it out over time. Now, the improved version of this structures the bio that you put in so that it includes information that maximizes the attractiveness of you and the kind of services that you offer to people so that you both present a very attractive image and communicate a very attractive vibe as well as filtering out time wasters and then gathering the information that you need to have a mutually enjoyable session. So I'll put all the lists of everything as per normal in the show notes. But let me walk you through the process now. So let's assume that you've signed up for Discord, you've verified on a bunch of different servers, you've found the hookup threads, and most crucially, you have found whether they have an ask to direct message or an ask to DM policy. So servers will aggressively kick people and ban them for messaging people directly without tagging them or something first to get their consent. It is absolutely fucking retarded how stupid this idea is. But I think it began <coughs> to stop people from just flooding the inboxes of you know, females. So I can't have, I can't say I've actually had that experience. Uh, so I'm sure there's a reason this exists, but in my view, it just introduces unnecessary friction and it removes personal autonomy. It's very infantilizing to treat people like that. It's just it's a very immature way to do it. <coughs> so make sure that your server, if it has an ask to DM policy, DM policy, always follow that because they will be very aggressive with booting you off and you will lose access to all the people on that server. Right. Now, the first thing at the top of your profile should be the nearest major city. And if you're in Australia or Oceania, um, you want to include some sort of link to where people can access your time zone relative to their time zone. I'll put a couple of services in the show notes. So the reason for this is you want to create connections, ideally with people that are geographically close to you. One of the great things about the internet is that you can connect with people on the other side of the world that have the same esoteric interests as you. But this also means that the possibility, it's like, What's the analogy I'm thinking of? It's for the Lord of the Rings fans out there. It's like Lambus bread, right? It will keep you going, but it's not meant for you to be a complete diet. It's not, it's hollow and unsatisfying or the Harry Potter fans out there. It's like unicorn blood, right? It'll keep you going, but at a cost, right? They start off well, but they kind of cap out when you know, you realize that you can't physically touch that person. Touch is very important for people's mental health, very important. So the most important thing to put up front is the nearest major city where you live. 
and if you're comfortable as well, sharing the, the nearest city to where you live. So that makes it easier for people to say, this is an interesting thing, right? Because where I'm from, Australia, has a very mathematically different distribution of major population centers. Because our country is so large, there tend to be seven or eight major cities. And then what we tend to have is satellite cities that are kind of 100 kilometers or 200 kilometers kind of away from the major city. And most of our population is concentrated in like 40 different cities. Then there's, you know, there's thousands and thousands of little towns too, but um, it's my understanding that the United States and Europe tend to follow different mathematical orientations of city distribution, somewhat. Not massively, but uh, important in the sense that, you know, the nearest major city might be in a different time zone. So it's easier to basically put the nearest major city and then if you want to list the actual city that you live in, that's fine too. This is important for brand name recognition. For example, uh, everyone knows where London is. Some people will know where Manchester is, but you know, not a lot of people will know where Suffolk is, right? So if you say the nearest major city to me is London, but the nearest actual city is Manchester, then they'll know where London is and they'll know that you're in the UK. And they'll also know that if they ever want to meet up with you in person, that's where they're going to have to be, right? So if you put New York, great. I don't really know a lot of American cities or European ones for that matter, just the big names. But, you know, put the nearest major city and that will help people to filter you out and also to create stronger connections with people that actually want to connect with you physically. It will either be important to them or it won't be. But you're not going to lose anyone by putting in your location in this way. Putting it up front will help the people that are looking to make real meaningful connections rather than just playing online forever in a totally one-sided arrangement where you do all the work, they have all the orgasms, and that's it. The goal here is mutually satisfying connections. So, city up front. Now, the next thing. So, regardless of what a lot of people would like you to believe, the sexual organs and body type that you have do matter to other people. People have built-in preferences about the kinds of things, organs, and body types they find attractive and arousing. It is not our role to fight nature. It is our role to support and uplift and preserve a sustainable environment for the future. Part of that means acknowledging reality. People are going to like you because you have tits. People are going to like you because you have a cock. People are going to like you because you're tall or short, because you have dark hair or light hair. People have built-in preferences and that's okay, right? For every person that hates short guys, there's somebody else out there that likes them just because they're fun size, right? Or she likes their passion or their attitude or their drive. Operate in the physical reality that you find yourself in, right? So if you are a person 
who is born a male and who is transitioning to a different uh, gender, I think, I think is the right term, um, put that, right? Don't hide who you are. Hiding who you are only encourages people to criticize you for hiding who you are. Now, I can already hear legions of screaming idiots going, well, you know, blah, 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 oppression. I get it. Sometimes life is not fair. Sometimes you wish that you were different to who you are, and that's okay too. I'm not here to judge you. That's not my job, right? But you need to put down what you are and what you're looking for because the people that want to connect with you will want to connect with you not with who you'll be in five years and not with who you'll be as a fantasy construct in their head right but with who you are <coughs> and you deserve genuinely i genuinely mean this you deserve to have a relationship and or a meaningful connection with someone who likes, respects, and is attracted to you the way that you are now, not with who you'll be once you've gone to the gym for three more years, not with who you'll be once you've transitioned or untransitioned or whatever, right? Stop hiding. You don't need to. Not here, not in this sphere, not with how progressive and welcoming and accepting hypnokink overall, not every part of it, but overall is about people having, um, I'm going to be politically correct and say, just all of that stuff, right? You are a username on an internet forum. It is not like you are there in person with someone. The risk profile is very minimal, so stop hiding who you are. Stop denying what you are and go after what you want and be proud of who you are. So, if you're a man seeking a woman, write that. If age is super, super important to you, obviously it's assumed that everyone on a Discord server is going to be over 18 probably don't need to say you must be over 18 like it's kind of assumed um, if age is really important to you because say you want to have a relationship with them or you'd like to have a child then uh, make sure that you put that down or I guess from the opposite side of things if you're a woman and you want to date a guy or connect with a guy who is a particular age like say 20 years older than you or 10 years older than you or younger than a certain age, whatever it is, put that down too. But only put down age if it is a deal breaker, if they are not in that category. If you're like, ah, it's a slight preference, don't worry about putting it down. It's just going to push people away. So put what you are and what you are looking for. Put who you are and who you're looking for. By which I mean, if you're a man looking for a woman, if you're a woman looking for a woman, if you're uh, <clears throat> one of the things I have seen in the screenshots that I've been sent about these profiles is uh, when someone will say, I'm a man, but I have a strong preference for um, female hypnotists or male hypnotists. 
Like that's fine to put in there, but you might be putting off people that you could otherwise have a really good connection with. If it's not a deal breaker, like I talk about in the Contracts 2.0 episode, think about leaving it out. It's not gonna make a meaningful difference to the number of people that contact you, except to drive people away that otherwise might have been perfectly compatible with you. Now, the next major component that's revised from the original and totally ineffective templates is your Soundgasm link. Now, go to Soundgasm, create an account, use Bitwarden to store your profile, uh, use your kink email address for your email address, etc. Right? Now what you're going to do, and, and a future project that I have planned in association with solving this problem is to create a book of scripts. <coughs> uh, around several common topics, both sexual and non-sexual. And then to publish that so that people can record those scripts in their own voice. So you'll have a relaxation recording, a sleep recording, a brainwashing loop. And what you're looking for is, this is kind of like a resume, right? When, uh, think about the worst case scenario, right? They, they connect with you, they text back and forth for weeks. Finally, you guys make a time to chat and all of a sudden they realize that they cannot fucking stand your voice. You've wasted everyone's time. Not only yours, but theirs too, and vice versa. Put samples of your voice on there so that they can tell whether they like your voice or not, right? Now, with Soundgasm, you can set certain recordings to private. So what I would generally do is have everything that you want listed publicly listed publicly. And then if there's something that you want to use to train that particular person after a month or two as the relationship progresses, you can either put that as a private Soundgasm link or you can put that in a Tresseret file for them, folder for them, and, uh, and do it that way. I would usually use the Tresseret folder approach because you're gonna be storing photographs and other documents and stuff in there, so it makes sense to stick the recordings in there as well. And that way it makes it easier for you to create custom recordings for people and then put them in that folder so that it's sort of more personal, but also the distribution's limited. You won't have to upload 10 different versions to Soundgasm as time goes on and you're dating or connecting with different people. So make a Soundgasm, right? Record audios. Now, I don't yet have a book of scripts of my own, but I hear that Chew Toys is excellent. Uh, you can find the download link for that uh, from Amazon, I think, from memory, uh, uh, in the Erotic Hypnosis book list, in the PDFs folder, in the resources folder. It's excellent, you should buy it. Make sure that you state in the description of each audio, the content of each audio, or you can provide a link to where they can actually read the exact script of the recording. General rule when it, makes to when it comes to content, you want to publish either the full script, or actually, yeah, basically the full script. You want to publish the full script of any recording that you make, including any subliminals or hidden messages that you try to be clever and encode in there. Um, in, a in every single place that they can download the audio, every single place that they might have exposure to that audio, put in the script as well, even if it's just a text file with the same name. You must do this. It's basically the gold standard and it's kind of becoming expected now for content producers, okay? So, also because 
the script isn't yours, or it might be the one that you're using, but if it belongs to somebody else, put the reference to ChewToy in the content description section of the file upload box on Soundgasm. So just say something like um, script from the title of the book. And if you're really generous, you can put a link to where they can download the book. As a content creator, I always like people spreading my stuff, but just, just acknowledging that it's someone else's script is fine too. Because it's not designed for public distribution, as in you're not intentionally passing this work off as your own, it's probably not necessary to put any anything in the script itself as the as part of the recording to say things like, oh, you know, this script isn't by me, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, yeah, we know it's not by you because it's not meant to be published across the broad internet. So just put an acknowledgement in the content description box. That's usually enough. So you want a soundgasm. You want a couple of recordings of your voice. You want both sexual and non-sexual recordings, ideally. Um, but you also want to make sure the distinction between those two is clear, as in, you know, put the word sexual or non-sexual in the title of the audio. And then, essentially, what they'll have is a kind of portfolio of your voice. So you might have a five-minute relaxation loop, and you might have a 15-minute brainwashing and conditioning loop and you might have a relaxation recording, and you might have a thought blanking recording, and you might have a totally safe for work, let's go for a swim together and I'll massage your shoulders and take away all your thoughts kind of recording. Like it's, if you want a, a good smorgasbord, a tasting platter, so to speak, of both sexual and non-sexual. Now you can use whatever ratio you want, you can go like 75% sexual, 25% non-sexual, makes no real difference. Just ensure that you have a good selection of both. Now, don't get caught up in doing too many of these. Start with three and then publish. Um, for advice on recording, see all the work that I've done on how to record. There's a PDF in the usual place, in the resources folder, on how to make content, etc., etc. And there are several podcast episodes designed for content producers as well with the word content producer in the name of the podcast. So check the podcast folder in the resources folder. So make a small selection of audios that showcase your voice and as well, uh, your personality. Right? You know, make an audio where you're a little bit more mischievous. Make an audio when you're a little bit more commanding, right? Have fun with this. It's a very important thing that you are having fun in those recordings because that will come across as the single most attractive thing that you can possibly put in them. If you're having fun, that is the single most attractive thing that you can do to make those audios fun for other people to listen to, right? So make a soundgasm, put some recordings of your voice in it, right? And then just put in the bio, like, you know, hear my voice here. Make again, make it clear which ones are sexual, which ones are non-sexual, and always have a link to where they can grab the content descriptions. Off the top of my head, I can't think of how to do this. Maybe a paste bin link. Um, maybe link to a Trezorate folder where you've got all the content descriptions as text files. Uh, I'd like to I don't like the term content warnings because it's like, it's not like a grenade with the pin pulled out. It's a content description. You're describing it. 
So now this other one's going to piss off a lot of people. Put in some photographs of you. This is important because people that are serious about moving this connection beyond an online jerk off session will care about what you look like. Now, don't put your face in any of these photographs, in any of them, all right? These are going across the public internet. Do not put anything that could be used to personally identify you in those photographs. Make sure that you look in the background of the photographs for things like reflections or, uh, you know, bank details on a invoice or something. Make sure that you protect your identity. What you wanna do is give them a general overview of your body type, and if you wanna show them your tits or your cunt, or your cock or whatever those things are, put those in there too. Again, as with most dating profile pictures, put your best foot forward. Um, if you have some particular interests as well, like for example, you know that, um, that you look really good in say, motorcycle leathers, put a photograph of you in that. Or if you have a really nice pair of black um, riding boots or something like that, put a photograph of those in there, emphasizing, emphasizing the boots. People have different interests. Um, people are attracted to different archetypes. Don't try to be everything to everyone, but the main purpose of this is to show off the physical attributes of your body. Interesting side note, a surprisingly large number of women are very attracted to photographs of men's hands. If you can have someone take a seemingly non-sexual photograph of your hands, put one of those in there. Chicks love that. Don't include any photographs of your face, obviously. Now, later on, you can share photographs of your face with people if you want to, once you've built that initial connection of trust and you've had several sessions back and forth. Now, the best place to do this is to use like an image hosting site, or if you want to put the photographs of you in the same, uh, let's say Dropbox folder or Trezor at Secure folder, um, as the content warnings and descriptions, that's fine too. Just make them super accessible. One of the common ones I've seen used is Imgur. I'll put a link to that there in the show notes as well. Now, when it comes to writing your bio, this is the part with the most variability, which is therefore the most complex. You want to imply things rather than state them directly. Now, when it comes to your bio, the biggest mistake that people make is they say what they are looking for, right? And that's kind of important, but it's not as important as other people being attracted to what you have to say. So in terms of length, if you were having a three paragraph bio, which would be more than sufficient, You'd want the first two paragraphs to be on what you offer and the last paragraph to be on what you're looking for. Now, the let's address the end part first. So what people do is they put in this big list of stuff that is all mutually contradictory. I want a girl who's into bimboification and IQ play and she's a slut and she's a ballerina and she speaks five languages. And I want her to be this and 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 this. And it's just confusing to people. 
because A, you're asking for a bunch of stuff that is just internally inconsistent, and B, you're asking for the wrong stuff. You don't need those things to have a good relationship. You need those things perhaps to be attracted to someone, but you don't necessarily need someone to be a Russian-speaking ballerina in order to be sexually attracted to them. If you do, then put that in, but people are unnecessarily constraining themselves by putting in specific, confusing, conflicting, and contradictory expressions of what they're looking for, right? Be clear, don't necessarily cast as wide a net as possible, but don't deliberately block people out from potentially contacting you. Um, it's, it's, a, a, it's a task that you must undertake to think about what you really want in a partner. Now, in a very simple way, take an A4 piece of paper or a letter-sized piece of paper if you're an American, um, and then draw a line down the middle of it from top to bottom and from left to right as well. Divide it into four quadrants. Top left is physical, top right is uh, emotional, bottom left is sexual, and bottom right is spiritual slash other. <clears throat> this is the Cliff Notes version of a very much longer and more intense exercise, but here we go. Now most people will put in, must have huge tits, super long hair, tiny waist, and be this, 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 and this. They have 20 different things they want to put in the physical box. That's fine, right? However, they often leave the emotion box completely blank or only have a couple of things in there, right? Must be a good person. Yeah, I guess. What about saying it like this? You know, has a positive attitude towards life, is generally a positive person to be around. You know, self-sufficient emotionally, doesn't lash out randomly in furious rage attacks and start throwing furniture and utensils, right? You might think it's silly to have to ask for these things or express them directly, but you will get exactly what you design. Now, at some point in the future, I'll put a, a good template for this up in the resources folder, probably in the PDFs subsection under the designing your ideal partner exercise. But essentially what you're doing here is figuring out the different things that you want. So it's good to look for certain physical characteristics, i.e. do they obviously take proper care of their body? right? Do they shower? Do they shave? Do they trim their hair? Do they exercise regularly? Do they wear clothes that they are proud to wear, right? Those are all good things. And generally speaking, more important than whether she has nice tits or not. Definitely helps, but having tits, if you're the kind of person that's attracted to breasts, then having any kind of breasts is sufficient to meet that criteria. Like, all titties are beautiful, girls. We love them. Perfection. Très magnifique. Right? So, put down the stuff that you must have in a relationship. You must have in a partner, sorry. Not in a relationship, in a partner. I.e., they must be female. They must be male. They must have this physical attribute or this physical attributes. These are the must-haves 
right? And then underneath them, you can put the preferences if you want. But again, like the deal breakers, these are the things that you have to have. And then the preferences are stuff that it'd be nice to have, right? Like, um, let's give an example. Um, you know, physical uh, must be a woman. I'm simply not attracted to guys sexually. Um, <clears throat> so must be born a woman, I suppose, would be also important to put in as well. But then underneath that would be a preference, like, do I really mind how long her hair is? Eh, not really. You know, I found short-haired girls very attractive. I found long-haired girls very attractive. But in the emotion box, I'm definitely going to put down something like, must have a positive outlook on life, right? Once you've had an intimate partner with a positive outlook on life, you will never go back. It is a life-changing experience to have someone like that around you you can clearly see the abject superiority of being with someone who is like that versus being with someone who is not. Sexual, you know, must be sexually available is a good one to put in there. Like, is she married and living in a different state? Does she have three kids to somebody else? Does that matter to you? It's entirely up to you. This is the rough outline, right? So that's what you're looking for. You know, I am seeking dot 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 now a common mistake people make is they say i want to put in what kind of relationship right yeah maybe not as important as people think right it's not the kind of relationship that really makes you happy it's the person that you're with it's not what you're uh, generally speaking generally speaking it's not what you're doing it's who you f it's how you feel about the people that are doing it with you or if you're doing it by yourself, how you feel about yourself, right? It's not necessarily the style of relationship that you prescribe at the beginning. You're like, we are definitely gonna do this. We are definitely gonna do that. Happiness tends to come more consistently from having a relationship with the right kind of person as opposed to having the right kind of relationship with the wrong person, which is why I tend to focus on maybe not putting in, I'm looking for something short-term or I'm looking for something long-term. You can talk about that as adults once you realized after, after your first two or three short sessions. And I always recommend that your initial hypnosis sessions be short and frequent. Uh, so <clears throat> that's your last paragraph. What are you looking for, right? Now, the first two paragraphs are, relatively speaking, much simpler to write you're gonna put down what you're actually willing to offer, right? What can you provide, you know? And again, this is where implicit is better than explicit. It's where stating things indirectly is better than stating them directly. It's not a terrible thing to state them directly, but it's the higher form of this to state them indirectly, right? Uh, I'm trying to give you a simple example off the top of my head. For example, don't say, I am Sting, the rock star. Say, I'm a UK philanthropist and famous musician, right? Try not to state things directly. Not a great example, you know, but here's a mistake that I see people make a lot. They say, I am into this, or you will be this, or this is who this is. Not, not very attractive, right? Um, describe what you can offer, but soften it a little bit. 
say something like, perhaps you're into bimboification, comma, this is something that I also enjoy. All right, that mutual enjoyment element is excellent. It's, it's very important for the relationship to be fulfilling mutually long-term. Never make the mistake of sacrificing your happiness to appease someone else in the short term because it very quickly becomes a pattern of behavior in the long term and one cannot build a house on sand. So, the first two paragraphs of your bio are what you're willing to offer, right? This can be a tricky one because a lot of guys will do very contradictory things. They'll say things like, I'm a super sadistic dominant who is cruel and strict and discipline oriented. And then they'll also say in the next paragraph, but I can be the exact fucking opposite of that shit. So you never really know what kind of, gonna, what kind of day we're gonna have. That's not exactly what people want, right? Look for characteristics that are universally attractive in a partner, right? Now, there are things that are universally affection building like kindness and touch and intimacy. But this kind of taps into more of the podcast episode I'm working on, um, you know, creating an ideal dominant, creating yourself as an ideal dominant. And uh, it's a complicated topic, but here what you want to do is talk about what you're capable of offering them, but trying to eliminate any mutual inconsistencies. So for example, a bad way to do this would be to say in one sentence, I'm super strict. And then the next sentence to say, but I love cuddles you're making it difficult. It's like, it's like a Jekyll and Hyde thing, right? It's like a, there's too much variation between those extremes, right? And the danger, the, the tricky thing here is most men who are mentally healthy and physically, financially, emotionally, and sexually independent are capable of an absolutely astonishing range of human expression. Men are incredibly romantic, passionate, they can also be sadistic, violent, cruel, demanding. It's the human condition and it's wonderful, right? But it confuses people because they're looking for something. <coughs> and if you're presenting them with two perpendicular opposites, it can be confusing for them. So try to talk about things that people find universally attractive. You know, like the elements of hypnosis they find universally attractive as opposed to the themes of the actual sessions. If you're gonna talk about specific themes like bimboification, make sure that it's something that you are really passionate about and that you really enjoy and that ideally is a core component of most of, if not all of your hypnotic connections with people. Because then you'll get more of those people. When you say, hey, you know, I'm really into this thing, it'll tend to happen, but the mistake that people make is thinking, well, if I put down six things that I'm into, I'm gonna get six times as many people being into them. That's not how that works. You get much less because they're confused by the jangling discordancy within your message. So talk about the things that people find universally appealing in a hypnotic experience because that's the sphere that we're in right now, right? So talk about mindlessness. Talk about the pleasure of allowing yourself to feel. Talk about the intimacy and the communion that can only be achieved when you allow someone so deeply inside your mind 
that you can feel them handcrafting your thoughts before they permit you to think them, right? Sometimes it's useful to talk to a bunch of submissives about what they find, or, or subjects, I guess, uh, hypnotic subjects about what they find attractive in an experience. Other times they will filter and self-censor and they'll give you totally garbage information. Um, most people lack the conscious awareness of what truly arouses them. Most people, not all. So you might get some mileage out of asking a bunch of different submissives what they find enjoyable, or you might get better mileage out of putting yourself in their mindset, you know, and thinking about what it is that they feel when they go into hypnosis. Maybe safe, maybe connected, maybe intimate, maybe accepted, understood. Right? Think about the kind of person that you're trying to attract. Think about what they want. Write that into your bio. First two paragraphs or maybe what you're kind of looking for is for the part that's about what you can offer them to be twice as long as the part that is about what you want from them. Right? Because it shows the emphasis is on you understanding that either as a subject or a hypnotist, the goal here is to attract another person. And that's where you need to talk about what it is that would be attractive to that other person. You know? So that's how you write your bio. Don't put things in there that are going to be deliberately off-putting to people unless you know what you're doing or you are speaking in a kind of coded language. For example, a lot of people will put in their bios, uh, according to the screenshots that I've seen, things like, I have all of the Bambi triggers. Uh, or I have all of the X triggers, or I have these triggers, and you can use them. And it's like, well, okay, what that means is that they belong or identify with a separate, discrete sub subculture, and that they may or may not respond very well or consistently to that element. Sometimes in dating profiles, you'll see short descriptions of things that are like coded language that are designed to only be understood by a limited subset of people. If you know what you're doing, you can put things like that in there to kind of filter people out that don't know, but also mostly to make yourself very appealing to the people that do know what to look for. I hope that makes sense. That's more of an intermediate to advanced thing. Stick with, you know, twice the length on what you're offering and talk about things that are universally attractive. Don't talk about the specific experiences or themes. Talk about the elements of those themes that are universally appealing to the kinds of person that you want to attract. All right. Then you want to make it really easy for people to connect with you. So there's a really simple free service called Sleek Bio. It's part of a family of services by AppSumo, I think. They're a tech company. And one of their uh, little services is a fantastic. So basically there was a service called Calendly. Don't worry trying to translate it in, into English. It's not a real English word. Um, but basically they got big, then they got greedy, then they got expensive. Uh, 
And so a lot of other little competitors kind of sprung up to fill that niche where you provide the same features, but at a much reduced price point. So TidyCal, T-I-D-Y-C-A-L, link in the show notes, is the replacement for that. You use your uh, secure kink email address to make a, an account and then you set up a couple of different booking types. You plug it into your Google Calendar or your Outlook Calendar uh, so that it can add in notifications to that as well as making sure that you're available at different times. And then you set up like a 10 minute appointment, right? Now, I generally advise people not to do text hypnosis or text only hypnosis. The reason for this is Eliminating text-only subjects eliminates 99% of guys who are trying to catfish other people into providing them with an experience while they jerk off. There are some girls out there that don't feel safe. There are some people out there that don't feel safe putting their voice over the internet. That's fine. Totally fine. Completely understand. As a subject, you are going to miss out on basically everyone who is serious about doing this as a hypnotist if you are not at least willing to do voice. Part of that is the verification of your identity and you know that you are the kind of person that you say that you are. Part of that is because oral stimulation, not oral stimulation, not O-R-A-L, but A-U-R-E-L or A-L, whatever it is, you know what I mean is very attractive to people. You can make recordings of your voice that can create very powerful effects. Text hypnosis works great, but it's very difficult to, auto well, there are ways you can automate it, but it's it's mm, finicky, persnickety. It's, it's, uh, it's boring. It's one dimensional and it lowers the barrier to entry too low. <coughs> it, it basically says, if I'm willing to, to do test hypnosis with someone who says that they are text only, there's a very, very, very good chance they are not who they say they are, right? There are a tiny handful of people that don't feel comfortable putting their voice in a public forum. That is fine. I respect their decision. Understand that those people are going to miss out on basically every serious hypnotist. If they're looking to make a real connection, they're going to get lumped in with the catfishing. So. They need to provide either samples of their voice as recordings or some sort of photographic evidence, you know, maybe someone uh, in a photograph holding up their Discord username on a piece of paper to prove that it's them so that people are willing to take a chance on someone rather than just assume that they're catfishing them. Uh, catfishing for people that don't know is essentially when someone online is like, usually what happens, I believe, uh, is when you have like a, a middle-aged guy pretending to be a young, attractive woman and then just sort of getting attention out of that and then disappearing. Um, there are legitimate reasons for people to not want to put their voice on the internet, whatever they might be, they're personal to that person. But <clears throat> those people will miss out on basically every serious hypnotist. So... Put samples of your voice up, even as a subject. As a subject, <clears throat> I would strongly recommend that you follow exactly this same process, the exactly the same template outline, right? For your soundgasm, 
put in some recordings of you masturbating or the recordings of your voice saying mantras or recordings of your voice in a non-sexual context, you know, the sound of your voice is an important component of the connection that you're making with someone. Now, it's perfectly okay to not want to do video. It can be hard to control the background in a video call and a little too easy to expose personally identifiable information. If someone is fine with doing audio, but not fine with doing video, that's okay. There's nothing really suspicious about that. And you'll probably tend to find that more commonly than not. Then again, there are some great girls out there that are very comfortable with doing video. And when that happens, you should also, as a, I'm assuming male hypnotist, be comfortable doing video too, because that's just fair, right? If they're willing to show you their face, then unless you have a really good reason for not showing your face, you know, meet that standard. Now, if that is the case, say for example, that they're willing to offer video and you're not, then kind of, I mean, you can do it any way you want to do, but I would feel personally a little bit guilty if someone was giving me video and I, I, I didn't feel comfortable for whatever reason being on video with them. So I, I would generally probably just switch back down to audio only, but that's just my personal preference. So set up your booking system, hook it up with your calendar. Now, the great thing about this is it will automatically figure out the time of the person booking the appointment uh, and slot them into the calendar in a way that's very convenient for both of you. So it automates a huge amount of wasted time. Then you can ask them several questions. The great one to put in, and I'll put all again all of these in the show notes, but a great one is, who is this session for? Now, you might like to do this, uh, how I would do it if I was designing this, is that I would have at minimum two types of sessions. So the first one would be a five minute or a 10 minute getting to know you chat. Put a couple of questions in there like, uh, you know, what's your favorite movie? Um, you know, do you follow a particular sport? Just really good getting to know you questions. Now, there are some excellent getting to know you questions in the, you know, the one I'm gonna say, right? The, the PDFs folder in the resources folder. Go through there, pick a couple of those connecting questions out, put them in there, set up a 10 minute semi-interview, sort of let's get to know each other sort of thing, right? Now, that's what you wanna do. Allocate that, connect. How are we gonna connect? Well, we're gonna, call each other on Discord, right? So they should probably send you a friend request. Put that in the question. You know, if we're gonna connect on Discord, make sure you send me a friend request. If you wanna connect with Threema or with Signal or some other way, that's fine too. Just put that in there so that I have a way of contacting you. Now, add some questions to gather background information so that you guys can talk and bond. Set up a 10 minute conversation. Put your best foot forward as a hypnotist and a subject and just connect, right? Do you like their voice? Do they like your voice? Don't ask them that, but you know, have fun, meet, meet somebody. Like, God, roll the dice, life's an adventure, you know? So then if that session goes well, then you can either, well, what you would do is you would have a separate booking link. So the same link, which will take you to a page where you have two different booking types, one is for the 10 minute getting to know you question and the other is for the session. Now I'll put in the questions that you wanna ask someone before a session 
things like who is it for, how long will it last. Um, for this, I would normally allocate an hour, even if your session is going to be shorter than that. You kind of want to buffer it, you know, make sure you do a pre-talk, given the erotic nature of the content. Do a pre-talk for a minimum of 10 minutes. Just make sure that they haven't changed their mind about anything that they've put into the uh, question boxes prior to the session. Um, and then you want to have a 10 minute cool down session at the, at section at the end of it as well for aftercare and stuff. This is where you would go into, yes, you guessed it, I'm going to say it again, the PDFs folder in the resources folder and find the how to have an erotic hypnosis session or how to have a session or how to do an erotic hypnosis session. I haven't actually decided on the title yet, but there'll be something in there about exactly how to structure an erotic hypnosis session. And a lot of those questions from that, I'm gonna take and plug into the booking type so that I can ask them those questions, like, uh, will anyone else be involved? Or, you know, how long will it last? Or who is it for? Those questions. There's a eight questions for better sex thing in there. I basically use those when I'm doing this. Now, I don't actually, I'm not present on any Discord servers. Um, I mostly get most of the people I play with through referrals. You know, they have a great experience with me, they tell their friends. And that's pretty much how it works. And I've met some amazing people that way. And, you know, <clears throat> so when it comes to your sessions, now, you want to book them in for a 10 minute getting to know them chat so that you can filter out the guys that are pretending to be girls, you can filter out the girls that are pretending to be guys, less common, but apparently still happens. Um, you can just get to know somebody, feel out their energy, connect with their vibe. Then if it's up to you and you are both in a safe state of mind, i.e. no conversational hypnosis, no drugs, alcohol, anything that might alter their ability to consent, then if you want to, you can pivot into a session. Now, before I move on to this, I'll uh, talk about the other session types. The other booking type basically will be the hour long one where you have the questions. <clears throat> and that's for when you have people booking in for an actual session. Never accept someone for an hour long hypnosis session without having a 10 minute getting to know them question and answer session first. Don't do it. You will waste a shitload of time, right? If they, put, if they book in, just cancel send them an email saying, hey, that's not how this works, or even put something in your bio, like book in for a 10 minute conversation or get to know me here, you know, something like that. Don't let them tie up an hour of your time without knowing whether it's gonna be worthwhile doing it. That's what the 10 minute getting to know them question is for, right? So have that shorter session type at the start and then when they want, they can book in for a longer session. Again, it doesn't have to be a whole hour, but uh, you wanna make sure you allocate 10 minutes at the start, 10 minutes at the end, longer than the actual session type that you want. Just having it for an hour is the easiest. And then, uh, or 40 minutes or something like that. And then gathering all the information using the questions so that you have everything in, front, in advance. You know, do you respond to particular types of inductions, blah, blah, blah. The problem here is a lot of submissives and hypno-submissives have absolutely no idea what they actually like, no idea what they respond to, and absolutely no idea how to articulate it into words. So the questions will be very useful for you. They'll really help. Then at the start of your session, so let's assume that you've had a conversation with them, you're, you're vibing, you're getting along well, you say, hey, 
Would you like to do some hypnosis now? And before they say yes, you have to explain what you have planned. So you might like to do a very simple HLSS cards session. Now this is basically the starter trance that I advise people to do. So go to the PDFs folder in the resources folder. There's a section there on how to hypnotize people. Grab the cards or the app, either is fine. I prefer the cards because I'm you know, very tactile like that. Grab the cards and say, hey, tell your subject, pick two themes, explain to them what's going to happen. I'm gonna to talk to you in a hypnotic way. Then I'm gonna bring you back to the room. We'll do a debrief, that's it. Total length will be you know, 10 minutes. Very short, very brief trance. Shorter, more um, frequent is the technical term for it, but basically shorter trances more often better than longer trances less often. All right, even within a long session, you wanna maybe have a five minute trance at the start and then bring them back up and then a 10 minute trance and then bring them back up and then a half an hour trance. See where I'm going with this? So you explain what's actually going to happen because only after they know exactly what's going to happen can they give their informed and enthusiastic consent rather than just saying, yeah, you can hypnotize me. It's like, well, what's the topic? What are we talking about? Will there be any triggers placed? You know, will the triggers last beyond the end of the session? Um, you know, are you comfortable with nudity? Whatever it is. It's like, well, you have to be aware of what you're consenting to before you can really consent to it. The easiest model that I've found is to imagine that you are a doctor explaining a medical procedure to a patient. Same level of detail, right? We are going to do this. It is going to cost this much. It is gonna take you this long to recover from it. It will involve this. Do you understand all of these things? Yes. Would you like to continue? Yes. Then you start the hypnosis. Now I, I say, imagine yourself as a doctor, not because you are a doctor, but because you want to give this conversation the same level of deadly seriousness as a major medical procedure, right? I mean that in a very literal way. If you say, would you like me to hypnotize you? And they're like, yes. It's like, what are they consenting to? Everything. And that's not necessarily a bad thing when you have the right kind of relationship with the right person for the right reasons. That can be really fun and very empowering. But imagine a doctor walking in and saying, <clears throat> we're gonna do some stuff. You cool with that? And you're like, are they gonna brush my teeth for me? Or are they gonna amputate my leg? I don't know, which means I can't give informed consent. Seems simple enough, right? Imagine that you're a doctor, explain what's gonna happen, get their consent after they know consciously what's gonna happen. Then you run your session following the uh, outline and uh, processes described in that PDF, <coughs> how to have an erotic hypnosis session. Now then you bring them back, do a debrief, wrap things up and go your separate ways. Now, one of the most important questions overall is who is this for? This should be the first question that you ask, right? At every session, who is this session for? There's a very important thing here called the three minute game. If you haven't heard of it, Google it, grab the PDF. I will have a weaponized, streamlined, much improved version of my own devising 
in the uh, resources folders PDF subfolder sometime very soon. But basically what you wanna do for your first hypnosis session is you wanna use the HLSS cards following the three minute game formula. So what you wanna do is have them pick themes. Then you give them a trance on the themes that they want for themselves. Then you suggest a theme, one or two, for yourself and then you ask them if they're okay with that they go absolutely and then you give them the three minute trance or you take technically you're taking from them the trance that is for you <clears throat> and then you might like to flip it around if you're both switchy you don't necessarily have to but it's very important to understand who this particular session is for and to clarify that in writing if it's not written down it doesn't count Okay, because this will cause a huge, huge amount of friction and potentially disastrous consequences later on when you think that you've been giving her all these sessions, you know, and from her perspective, she's like, yes, they were gifts. You know, you were doing those things for yourself, the hypnotist and the hypnotist is like, well, hang on a minute. No, I've been doing them for you. I've been sitting here talking into a microphone and you've been coming your brains out for six months now, you know, always clarify explicitly in writing before the session, who is it for? Who is the experience for? It's very important to remind submissives that this is for themselves, this is for them. Or if it's for you, then it's for you, fantastic. Either way is fine, but both people should know exactly who it's for before the session begins. And that way there's no miscommunication, no bitterness, no anger, no resentment that builds up over time. An ounce of prevention <clears throat> is worth a pound of cure, right? Who is this session for? Who is this experience for? And then you wanna basically play the three minute game with the HLSS cards. Hypnotize them for three minutes with themes that they choose, hypnotize them for three minutes with themes that you choose, and then go back and forth that way. <coughs> now. This helps to create a great sense of balance up front, as in, I'm gonna provide you with an experience, but also you're gonna provide me with an experience. And then we're gonna switch. If you're not familiar with the three minute game, go and read my PDF on it in the resources folder. It's actually super, super simple to understand. Play a couple of rounds with your friends in a non-sexual way, or play a couple of rounds with your friends in a very sexual way, and you'll get the hang of it in about 15 minutes, tops. Okay? now. I may make up a list of stuff that you can do to people over long distance. I've been working on some content for that as well because, you know, COVID. Uh, but uh, stick with this format for now. Three minutes, you hypnotizing them for their benefit. Three minutes, you hypnotizing them for you, the hypnotist's pleasure. And then just back and forth between those two things. Now, if they're a switch or they're a hypnotist or the submissive that wants to learn how to give amazing experiences, flip the roles around. So what it looks like is, and again, look at the PDF for a more detailed description and some worked examples, but I, the hypnotist, will hypnotize you, the subject, for three minutes on two themes that you, the subject, choose. Then I will ask you if it's okay if I pick two themes for myself, tell you what those two themes are, and then I, the hypnotist, will hypnotize you, the subject, 
along those two themes, which I have chosen for me, for my pleasure, my benefit. Then we switch roles, we switch positions. So you are the subject and now you will hypnotize me and you will give me the two themes that I agree on. And then you, the subject, well, obviously when you switch roles, you switch from hypnotist to subject, but I'm trying to keep it simple for people. I hope that makes sense. If not, check the PDF on Three Minute Game for some worked examples. Now, I always encourage subjects to learn how to hypnotize. This is an extremely basic way to do it. It builds a tremendous amount of confidence extremely quickly. Get the cards, watch the videos, do the exercises, practice, 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 have a shitload of fun. You'll be a better hypnotist than 95% of people out there, even if you're a subject, after an hour of doing this. It's fantastic, all right? That's basically what your first trance should look like. Short, to the point, direct, do a debrief, do an AAR, an after action review, again, in the PDF. And yeah, now you have a great connection with someone that you know is responsive to you, that may or may not be in the same time zone or maybe near the same city that you are, who is enthusiastic about connecting, who is definitely who they say they are, and that you've both now shared a mutually satisfying experience. This gives you a very strong foundation to build a future connection on. If you have any questions about this topic, please feel free to send me an email. My contact details are at the website, which is uh, The Wordsmith Speaks, T-H-E-W-O-R-D, S-M-I-T-H speaks, S-P-E-A-K-S dot com. So in summary, major city, what you are and what you're seeking, a link to the soundgasm where you have audios of your voice, both sexual and non-sexual, so they can listen to you to figure out whether they actually like your voice, uh, pictures of your body. These are kind of optional but highly recommended. No face, no personally identifiable information. Now, of course, you can always share photographs of your face. However, do not do that within the first couple of weeks of meeting someone, ever. If they know what body type you are or what, um, what sexual organs you have, then that'll be enough for them for the first couple of weeks. Uh, as the relationship and the connection progresses more deeply and intensely over time, then whenever you feel comfortable and only when you feel comfortable, you can share photographs of your face. However, never have nudity or physical exposure of your sexual organs and your face in the same photograph. Don't share those photographs with anybody. Crop the face out. You want to keep a degree of plausible deniability, right? Say, for example, someone posts those photographs all over the internet, you can say, well, the, the photograph of the, your breasts doesn't show your face, and the photograph of your face doesn't show your breasts. Maybe you have some tattoos that are relatively unique, but never have your face and your exposed body parts in the same photograph. Be careful about that. I'm not here to lecture you on safety, that's not my fucking job, but... It generally doesn't really matter to the person receiving the nudes whether they can see 
your face in the same shot as your parts, if they trust you to be who you say that you are. So yeah, don't put your face in those photographs. And ideally always share them across encrypted mechanisms like uh, Threema or Signal, something like that. Write the bio twice as long on what you can offer and then one piece on you know, what you're looking for. And then include a booking link so they can click a button, punch in their Discord username or ID, you know, maybe maybe put in the server, I guess, that, that they're connected to. But if, if you're on the same server as them, then it doesn't really matter. You can just look them up by name and ID and that should work fine. Then you just send them a friend request so you can actually have a voice conversation. And, you know, at that time that you've both booked in, have a conversation using the questions, get to know each other. Generally speaking, I would then give it a rest for a couple of days and then encourage them to book in for a session, a proper session with the proper questions. But you can, you know, transition from that initial getting to know them conversation to a session provided that you both feel comfortable and that you make sure that they're giving informed consent. So no conversational hypnosis in the 10 minute getting to know you conversation, no uh, utilizing hierarchical power relationships. You want them to be in a sound of sound mind and body, I guess is kind of the vibe that I'm going for here. So I would usually, and I know practitioners that do this and they will basically negotiate, wait two days and then have the scene. And right before the scene, they'll run through the printed out version of the negotiation, which they will then both sign to make sure that nothing has changed. If something has changed, then they will change that, print out a new version and agree to that. If it's a major change, I have known people in the past to suggest a another 48 hour cooling off period before, and they'll just delay the scene. They'll just, you know, if they've, okay, perfect example here. <clears throat> well, the guy I used to know that would do this. Girls would book in to make an appointment with him. They would make a scene up they would talk about it, they would discuss it, they would agree to everything. He would print it out, bring the PDF printed in hard copy, two copies, one for him, one for her. He would sign it, both copies, she would sign both copies. She would keep one, and then they would do the scene in person at a kink event that was run regularly, like a weekly party or a fortnightly party or a monthly party. If there were minor changes, they would both annotate both versions and then sign again in full next to the changes to prove that it was they that had made those change rather than uh, somebody else. And then they would have those changes, the entire process witnessed by an independent third party who would then also sign their names to it to make sure that the subject and the hypnotist or the top and the bottom or the dominant and the submissive, whichever roles they were taking on for that night, had a full and complete understanding of everything that was happening everything that was planned and agreed to as part of that scene. If there were major changes and either party felt like they needed to just take a breath, cool off, you know, get some perspective, they would literally just not do the scene and then they would renegotiate it and then run the scene again at the next weekly meetup or the next fortnightly munch or the next, not munch, but the next fortnightly play party, right? And that consistency of going to the same event, it takes a lot of pressure off. We don't have to do it right now because there's 10 other people that they've already arranged to play with. You know, it, do you know what I mean? 
I hope that makes sense. That's one way of doing it. So when I would do my bookings, I would have the, con if this is how I was doing it, I would have the conversation about getting to know them, wait a day or two, and then have the actual first hypnosis scene following the outline that I've described. I hope that makes sense. If you have any questions, email me.